So this has been an interesting series for me. And I think I think I broke a record. This is the longest I've gone with one topic. And I thank the Lord that he has been involved in this. And somebody just asked me earlier, they said, so is this the last one? And I said, well, <laughs> it is kind of because we're, we're going to leave Jacob and Joseph behind, sort of. And who's the next one that the Bible talks about? Moses. How many know he's a pretty cool character? There's a lot we can learn from Moses' life as far as how to live today. And so I'm working on it. You know, I wish I were a little further ahead so I could tell you where we're going next, but I really like to press in and make sure. And sometimes it doesn't come till the last day. So here we go this week. Oh, I wanted to say one other thing. Congratulations, Bill Van Rickenham. He has officially been approved to drive the bus. <laughs> Specifically for Bear River. So you have been approved. I, I meant to tell you that earlier, and I just wanted to let everybody know. Whew, it's only taken you, what, five months? <laughs> Something like that. It's like, okay. They have some strict guidelines at the Bear. Extraordinary Living, Part 8, Applying the Life of Joseph to Modern Day Living. Last week I ended with Genesis uh, 46, 29, and 30, and that's where Joseph had just met his dad for the first time in years. How many have ever gone through an experience like that, where you haven't seen a relative in, in forever? What's, what do you feel like when you see him? I mean, doesn't it just well up? And I had an emotional experience last Sunday, and the Lord did some things, but um, just to say this, there's just something about seeing a loved one like that after not being with them for years, and Joseph experienced that. Seeing that Joseph brought hope to Jacob, he responded by saying, now I'm ready to die. He was at peace. Now, According to everything I've read, he actually lived quite a few more years. So God gave him many more years. And I'll get into that a little bit more next week as we conclude. Anyway, see, I told you, I just don't know where God's going to take this thing. But assuming that I get there. I want to start this week with verse 31 and following. And I'm again reading from the New Living Testament unless I point it out otherwise. And Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's entire family, I will go to Pharaoh and tell him, my brothers and my father's entire family have come to me from the land of Canaan. And how many were there? Seventy? Is that number... Does anybody else think that's a significant number? When God made the heavens and the earth, when he made the, the animals, the creepy things that go across the ground and the trees and the, all that stuff, how many days did it take him? Six. And then he rested one day. And that, that's what we call a week. Seven days. The number seven is the number of completion. So when you look at the number 70, this is the big completion. 
So his family was full. He had 70 people that came with him to the land of Egypt from the land of Canaan. These men are shepherds and they raise livestock. They have brought with them their flocks and their herds and everything they own. They're moving in. Right? Anybody else in here ever do this where you have moved a long distance? You've brought it. Is it fun? It can be an adventure, right? We used to tell our kids that. We're going on an adventure. And some, most of the time it was. Sometimes maybe not. Then he said, when Pharaoh calls for you and asks you about your occupation, you must tell him. Now, this is pretty firm advice. You must tell him, we, your servants, have raised livestock all our lives, as our ancestors have always done. When you tell him this, he will let you live here in the region of Goshen, for the Egyptians despise shepherds. So he's pointing out a couple of things here, but the one that I really want you to catch is this. Joseph was trying to protect his family. If they didn't identify where they wanted to live, then the Pharaoh would most likely want them to live next door to him in the big city. What goes on in the big city? Sin. All kinds of Egyptian cultural things that they weren't used to. And, and I was thinking about this, and I, I had to go back. When you think about Lot, remember Abraham and Lot? Well, they were traveling together, and then they decided to split off. Now, Lot should have remained a shepherd, a tent dweller, but he chose to go where? The city. And what was the result? It wasn't good, was it? It destroyed his family. Joseph was thinking about this. I believe this with all my heart. He did not want his family, Jacob and all of his brothers, to fall into this trap of sin in the big city. And listen, it's still a lot like that today. You go into any big city and you can find pretty much anything you want, right? Some more than others. But I believe that that is what Jacob was trying to do, was to protect his family. In verse 1 of 40, chapter 47, it says this, Then Joseph went to see the Pharaoh, and he told him, My father and brothers have arrived from the land of Canaan. They have come with all their flocks and herds and possessions, and they are now in the region of Goshen. Joseph took five of his brothers with him, and they presented them to Pharaoh. Pharaoh asked the brothers, what is your occupation? And they replied, we, your servants, are shepherds, just like our ancestors. We have come to live here in Egypt for a while. And I've got a little asterisk there, for a while. Well, guess what? That while is going to turn into a lot more than a while. We'll get into that soon. For there is no pasture for our flocks in Canaan. The famine is very severe there. So please, we request permission to live in the region of Goshen. Hallelujah. They're doing just what Joseph told them to do. And the Pharaoh is going to in turn grant them their desires. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Now that your father and brothers have joined you here, 
choose any place in the entire land of Egypt for them to live. Give them the best land of Egypt. Let them live in the region of Goshen. And if any of them have special skills, put them in charge of my livestock too. That's a pretty big honor. He had faith, or maybe I should use the word trust. He had a great amount of trust for Joseph. And I think in his mind he's thinking, look, if, if these are offspring from the same seed from Jacob, most likely these other guys are going to be talented too. And he was willing to let them take over his own livestock, which is a real honor. Joseph's tactic worked. The Pharaoh gave them the best grazing land in northern Egypt, which of course was Goshen. Verse 7, then Joseph brought his father Jacob and he presented him to Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Notice that. I think I put it in red. Yep. How old are you? Pharaoh asked him. Jacob replied, I have traveled this earth for 130 hard years. Woo! How many would like to live to be 130? Really? Uh, Maybe things were different back then, but as, as I age, even five years, it's like, man, I used to be able to do things. Now I, I get out of bed and I put one on the floor, try to prop myself up. That's no, not quite that bad, but it seems like, and I'm thinking 130, Mike, no wonder he kept saying I'm ready to die. That's old. So they lived longer back then, obviously, as we read through the scriptures. But my life has been short compared to the lives of my ancestors. So again, they used to live hundreds of years. And then Jacob blessed Pharaoh again before leaving his court. Now when I read this, at first I was like, what? Because usually the guy who does the blessing is the the, the larger, the more powerful, the more authoritative person. But in this case, it's, it's the shepherd. Right? If you go back to the, the story of Melchizedek with Abraham, did Abraham bless Melchizedek? No, it went the other way. Melchizedek blessed Abraham. So Melchizedek was the, the bigger dude. But in this case, something weird happened. And, and as I was reading through this, I'm like, what? What's going on here? And then it finally struck me. I figured it out with the Lord's help. Some believe it was because of the promise that God had given his grandfather, Abraham. Back in Genesis 12, 1 through 3, and I'm going to read it a little bit later, the Lord told Abraham, or in this case, Abram, he said, look, Anybody who blesses you, I will bless. But anybody who curses you, I will curse. So was the Pharaoh blessing them? He just gave them all this land. He gave them $300 in silver. He gave them 300 shekels of silver. Sorry, not dollars. It would be a lot more than that today. He gave him a full set of clothes. He sent his wagons to fetch him. 
Is it time to end? <laughs> I heard it. Time to eat, isn't it? Whoever's phone that is, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to embarrass you. So Joseph assigned the best land of Egypt, the region of Ramses, to his father and his brothers, and he settled them there, just as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph provide, provided food for his father and his brothers in amounts appropriate to the number of their dependents, including the smallest children. I wanted to point out here how Joseph is a type of redeemer. Who's our redeemer? Jesus. Jesus paid the ultimate price so that we might have life and life in abundance. I talked about that when I started. Joseph could have sought vengeance with his brothers for throwing him into slavery the many years before. But instead of getting vengeance, what did he do? He lavished them. He forgave them and he lavished them with land and with clothes, with food. He forgave them. And he gave them life. Literally, he gave them life. Because if they hadn't left the land of Canaan, they surely would have died. So Joseph, as I see it, is a type of, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this word a lot in the future, but when we look at the Old Testament, there are a lot of types or shadows of things to come. And in this case, I believe that Joseph is a good example of what Jesus did for us. So that's why I call him a, a redeemer of sorts. Hallelujah. But now it appears that Jacob and his kin can live out their lives in peace and in prosperity in northern Egypt. I want to shift gears just for a little bit here. and I, I want to look at the promise that God gave Jake, to Jacob's grandpa, Abram. We call him Abraham later, but in, this, in the earlier chapters, he was Abram still. Understanding the promise that God gave to Abraham is really key to figuring out what the bigger picture is, what God's trying to do with his people, including the plans that he has for us. So I believe not only does this translate from that period of time, but it also translates to now. We can apply these same principles to our lives today. Does God change? Jesus said what? I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. So when we see a, a promise in the Old Testament, that still applies. God doesn't change his mind. Now we have to kind of stay in the context of whatever was said originally, but I believe that there are a lot of things we can apply to our daily living today. In Genesis, and I want to, this is that verse I wanted to share with you, or verses, Genesis 12, 1 through 3, I want to read this. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a what? Great nation. I will bless you and make, I love this part, I will make you famous. God is the best PR guy you can have. Right? And he's going to make Abraham famous. And of course, who do we hear about all the time? Abraham, 
the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you will be a blessing to others. And this is where he said in verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth, wow, all the families on earth will be blessed through you. Why? Well, who comes from this line? Eventually, Jesus Christ. And are we blessed because of Jesus? So we can go all the way back to Abraham and to his line, and this is where God's saying all the families on earth are going to be blessed. But I also wanted to point out that those who hold Israel in contempt, because Israel is the heritage from Abraham, anybody who holds Israel in contempt will be cursed we've got to be careful today there are a lot of people who are saying well we just need to let let it happen in the middle east no we need to bless them because as we bless them we are blessed but the minute we take that blessing away and we start to work against that look out because now you're dealing with the vengeance of god now this was huge do you think Abraham knew what was really going to come from his lineage? No way. Who, how would he have known that? It would have been impossible. This was so much bigger than him. What's he thinking? He's thinking, well, wait, God, I don't even have a kid yet. Right? I mean, that's where he's at. Uh, brother uh, Aaron, he's up here talking about that little tap, you know. The boys are looking in the hole going, where is it? Not realizing that it has to warm up so the sap can shoot up the tree. When it does, it's going to go right by that hole and go... I forgot where I was going with that. I think it was a... Abraham's still looking at... I don't have a kid. How am I supposed to... How am I supposed to have all these people... Come from me and bless the earth if I don't have a child, my own child. Then the Lord expanded on this promise. In Genesis 15, 1, he said, sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision, and he said this, don't be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you. And here we go again. And reward, your reward will be great. You know, if God's telling you this, you better realize that this is going to be big. This isn't just a little itchy-bitsy reward. This is huge, way bigger than any of us. And of course, again, Abram questioned, how is this going to happen? And then the Lord broke covenant with him. Again, he chose to use the shedding of blood. He, he had several different animals that he uh, sacrificed. And he cut the covenant with Abraham. That Abraham's own offspring would outnumber the stars in the sky. I've been watching that 
snake show from Florida where they go and catch the snakes because they've inundated. You know what I'm talking about? Those great big pythons. Some of them, I think the one they caught last night was like 16 feet. And they eat everything, right? But that's not where I was going with this. They do a lot of uh, night hunting, and they show the sky over Florida. And I, I don't know if you've been to Florida, but it's flat. When you look up, at, especially in the Everglades, because that's where they're at, there's no light from homes or whatever. So it's all really dark. And they look up, and the, the, the cameras capture gazillions of stars up there. I mean, not gazillions really, but a lot of them right? And when I look at that, and I think about this, Abraham's family is going to exceed the stars in the sky. That's a lot, especially if you watch that show. You try to count all those stars. There's a bunch. What happens next? This is interesting. Again, he's in this trance, he's watching, seeing this vision. As the sun was going down, Abram fell into a deep sleep. And a terrifying darkness came down over him. Then the Lord said to Abram, You can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land. By the way, this is my red highlight. Where they will be oppressed as slaves. For how many years? Say, that's a lot. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and in the end, they will come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land, for the sins of the Amorites do not yet warrant their destruction. I share this because when I read this, I'm thinking, huh, where did Jacob and his family just land? What's, what's going on here? Strangers in a foreign land where they're going to be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. Look at your neighbor and say, I think they might be in trouble. This is Jacob's family that just moved in there. Now, they're going to live, live at peace for a short period of time. But then there's going to be a restructuring in Egypt. You know, the old pharaoh's going to die, a new one's going to come in. And they aren't going to be as nice. And we're going to get into that. Maybe, if the Lord lets me. The good news for Israel was this. Egypt was a stepping stone to get to the promised land. Say that with me. Egypt was a stepping stone for them to get to the promised land. And of course, I'm referring to the Hebrew people or the Israelites, as they're later known. I want everybody to understand that we all have a promised land. It may be heaven. Heaven is our promised land, right? 
literally. No more tears, no more sin. I'm looking forward to that. But I also believe that oftentimes God blesses us on this side of heaven, and there's a place he's trying to take us. But to get there, and I've been pointing this out over the last several weeks, to get there, sometimes it gets bumpy. It's not always easy. And whenever I ask you to raise your hand if you're going through stuff, a lot of hands go up. A few of you sit there and like this, like your life's perfect. I don't believe you. <laughs> but hey, I've said this before, it's just because you're too lazy to raise your hand. <laughs> I'll raise my hand. We all go through stuff. Life is bumpy. Especially when you're trying to get to that place God wants us to be because the enemy wants what? What's his job? To seek, kill, and destroy you because you're a child of God. What's Jesus? Life and life abundant. We're going to face stuff as we're trying to get to where God's taking us. But sometimes it gets bumpy. There are twists and there are turns. And in this case, Jacob's family is going to see a 400-year enslavement. That's a lot. Now, Joseph's part was instrumental in getting them to this place. And he did a good job, right? He was faithful. He was loyal. He trusted God, and God worked through him. According to the Apostle Paul, if God promises something, say it with me. If God promises you something, it will come to pass. The Apostle Paul said in Romans eleven twenty nine, for God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. He doesn't trick you. He doesn't say, I'm going to give you this and then pull it out from under you. The only thing that you and I have control over is our faith. The responsibility of God's people, then, is to continue to believe and place their trust in our Lord and in our Savior. We have to cling to verses like 2 Corinthians 1.20. Read it with me. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. I forgot this was in here. I said that at the beginning. When you say amen, it means yes, I agree. You are agreeing with the promises that God has spoken over you from the beginning. Because what he said to Abraham or Abram and then Isaac and then Jacob, those same promises apply to you and me because we are in the lineage of that family. Yes, we've been grafted in, most of us. Are there any Hebrews in here? Well, I'm, I'm not 
there could be Israel, Jewish people. So there's nobody that's a blood Jew, a blood Hebrew in this room, but we have all been grafted into the vine through Jesus. And that means that the same promises that were given to the people in the Old Testament are still valid for us today. I believe that. Do you believe that? Would you say amen? Amen. Thank you. I almost heard you that time. But here's something else. Similar to Joseph and Jacob, we must come to grips with the fact that we do not have control over how our journey is going to look. Now, you might make plans, but God directs your steps. He's the one that guides you through this process, right? It is up to God how his promises are carried out in our lives. Similar to Joseph, our journey may get bumpy. I keep saying this. I want you to get this. Plus, God's timing may not line up with our timing. Here's a scripture that most of us know. God's timing is not like our timing. In 2 Peter 3, 8, 9, he says, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. Wow. What? You know, God is not held by time. Right? He's omniscient. He moves through space and time. Nothing holds him down. He created it. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But I'm pointing out that first verse. To us, it's a day to God. Or the other way around. To us, it's a thousand years. To God, it's a day. So my best advice when it comes to the fulfillment of God's promises or his prophetic promises is that we must keep our eyes on the prize, Jesus, on our eternal salvation. Don't let your faith waver. Go through the doors that the Lord opens and continue trusting that the Lord has you in the palm of his mighty hand. There were so many scriptures that I could have called up on this one, but I just wanted to put one up. Even though your hand, this is the Lord's hand, even though your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Can you picture God just, you've got big paws. You know, I I used to work with a, a, he was a dairy farmer from Wisconsin. And he was our boss when I worked at the Assemblies of God headquarters when I was a kid, when I was much younger. And he trained me in the job that I was on. He'd come in, and I mean, this is my hand. His hand was like this. I'm not making it up. He had paws. And he'd put that big old palm in, Norman. He kind of had a little squeak in there. Norman, this is how you do this job. But I knew when his hand was on me, because it was giant. We should know when God's hand is on us, because it's so much bigger than, than my old bosses. 
when God's got you, what's going to come against you? What can bring harm to you when you've got that big old paw, God's paw? Is it all right if I call it a paw? God's hand on you. <laughs> Nothing. And that's what we need to get a picture of. God's got us in the palm of his hand. Yes, your life may get bumpy, but God's got you. Amen? Amen. It's important to understand that everything that Joseph and Jacob went through had a godly purpose. They were on a collision course with their destiny. They might not have realized that, but they were on a collision course with their destiny, and all of those ups and downs were a part of that destiny. How many of you have been through something similar? You have ups and downs in your life. Brother Rob, you were just telling me a week ago, you guys had a slide off, your car went off the road, and almost died. He showed me pictures of... Was that exciting? <laughs> Was it scary? A little bit? Did you know that God had you in the palm of his hand? Absolutely, because where'd the engine go? The engine. I saw the picture. Engine flew out of the car. That's how hard they hit. And they were... There were three of you in the car, and all of you were safe. I mean, you, you, had, you, you might have had some bumps, but you were safe. God had them in the palm of his hand. There are going to be ups and downs. And I've said this before, sometimes our downs are a result of our own doing. You know, we can put ourselves in that place, right? By doing the wrong things. So don't do the wrong things. I'm sure we'd have many in this room that would say to me, I should have got behind the wheel. Now, not to say you drink that much, but if you did, right? Don't get behind that wheel. That's dumb. Because what's going to happen? Not only could you kill yourself, you could kill somebody else. Or at the very least... The blue, red light's going to go on behind you. The popo. The guys I ride with. And they do not have mercy if you're drinking and driving. You're going to jail. That would be something that you brought on yourself. But I want to talk about this. The Apostle Peter spoke in depth of how God's people would face trials in this life. And it may seem like I'm jumping around a little bit this morning, but I just really felt like I was supposed to share this. From 1 Peter 5, 1, 5. And through your faith, say that with me, through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until... Now, of course, he's talking about when we're in our glorified bodies in heaven, which is going to come, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. Oh, I love this. Say that with me. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many, many bumpy roads for a while. Huh. Oh, boy. He didn't stop there. These trials will show that your faith is 
Did you know that? When you go through these sticky situations, when you, when, especially when they're not something that you created, thank you, it proves your faith genuine when you don't give up. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So what this shows me is simply this. There's going to be some kind of a measuring thing when we get to heaven. And we're going to be rewarded for how we went through some of these trials. Sometimes we have to face physical things that happen to our bodies. We can't move like we used to. I talked about that a minute ago. Some more than others. And the idea is don't give up. Don't give up your faith. Just keep trusting God's got this. Don't let the devil get in your head and say, God, why have you left me alone? You know that's not true, because what does the Bible say? He'll never leave you or forget who you are. You love him even though you've never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Verse 9, the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Everything we go through has a purpose. You may not think so, but it does. Whether it's physical, emotional, maybe it's just mean-spirited people in your path. How you go through this life, like Joseph, will determine the reward that you're going to get someday. And not only will you get the glory and the praise and the honor, but as I understand it, we're going to be given crowns, which I believe are part of that glory and praise and honor thing. And what are we going to do with them? We're going to set them at the feet of Jesus because it's all about him. In the end, that's what's... We're not going to care about that crown. <laughs> we're going to be in heaven. <laughs> Who needs a crown? The streets are gold. Just saying. As I begin to close, if Morgan wouldn't mind coming back up. The lives of Joseph and Jacob are but a glimpse of what it was like for the heroes of faith in the New Testament. You and I can learn much from what they went through as they dealt with their own struggles, or as Peter called them, trials. But we have to understand that those trials are meant to purify us, to make us stronger, better, 
We don't want to look at it like that. Do you think that the Hebrew people wanted to go through 400 years of slavery? Nope. But they did. Let me ask you this. What trials are you facing today? What is the Lord expecting you to do while you go through these? How do you respond to your trials? Maybe, just maybe, the Lord is waiting to see if you really trust Him. Is He really your God? You state that He is. But does your life show that He is? And when is the best time to tell when somebody's really committed to the Lord? When you go through the trials. It's easy if life is grand and you know, I got a million dollars in my 401k or whatever retirement thing I have. My family's all healthy and everybody's doing great. I've got grandkids up the yin. Up, I have a lot of grandkids. <laughs> Whew. I still go back to those old days sometimes. Whoa. It's easy to say, I love you, Jesus. And then somebody lets the air out of my tire. I'm supposed to be at an appointment. Really? You know what I'm saying? Or my son or my daughter gets sick. Really? What's going on? Or I lose my job. And I'm old. Over 40. God, how could you? Things were going so well. It's in those moments, it's in those opportunities, as I'm going to call them, those are opportunities for you to glorify Jesus, to show people what it means to have faith. And when they start saying, oh, I thought you were a Christian, how come everything's going wrong for you? You know what? You can actually say, look, I may not understand what's going on in my life, but I know this. God's got me. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and I know when this heart stops beating, I'm going to be in heaven with him forever. But in the meantime, there's no promise that I'm going to have this awesome life on this side of heaven, other than Jesus said I'd have a full life. But things go wrong with us humans. (laughs) And I have to be prepared for that. And if God wants me to go through this, so be it. To him be the glory and all the praise. I'm just going to keep trusting that he has me in the palm of his hand today. And in the end, and I just bring this up again, in the end, the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of my soul. Would you stand with me?
you really believe? Or does your faith end the minute that you start to struggle? Let the Holy Spirit refine you. As Peter said, as pure gold. Invite him. Lord, show me how to get through this thing. You know, it's okay to ask like that. You realize that, right? Lord, show me how. And then let him equip you so that when you finally do get to the end of your faith journey, whatever that looks like, and it's different for each person, you're going to be blessed and you're going to be rewarded by none other than Jesus Christ, our King. So place your trust in God Almighty. Hallelujah. I want to pray. But before I do, I just want to ask, are there folks here today that say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I, I don't know that I'm ready to go to heaven today. And I want to be ready. I want to know that my name's written in that book you talked about, that book of life. Because if it's not there, you're not going to enter heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but through me. You have to go through Jesus. There's no other name on earth or heaven that's going to admit you into the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords dwelling place. Only Jesus. So if you're here today and you'd say, I need your prayers, help me. Just lift your hand up real quick. Thank you. You can put them down. How many in this room today are going through some trials? Hands up all over the room. I should raise my hand. Just know today that God's got you. <laughs> You're not in this alone. And if you can, look at it as a type of adventure. God's going to do something with this trial. He is. But it's what you do with it first that's going to make the difference. So whatever it is that you're facing, I want to pray for you in just a minute here, but just believe God's got my back. He's with me in this. Father, I, I pray for those who raised their hand and said they weren't ready. I'd ask this whole body, if you would, just to pray this with me. Because we're a family of believers here. And if you raised your hand, pray this loud enough so that your own ears will hear. And believe that Jesus is standing in front of you, because I believe he is. Scripture says that. Where two or more gather in his name, he is here. Father, pray this. Father. Thank you for loving me. For 
welcoming me into your kingdom through your son Jesus. Jesus, forgive me of my sins and make me a new person. I don't want to live in my sins any longer. Wash me clean with the blood of the Lamb. Fill me with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God. Lord, I give you permission to take up residence in me. This temple is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I welcome you. Now help me to live all the days I have left to bring you glory and praise and honor. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and equip me for every good work. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And Lord, I pray for everyone that's going through the trial right now. If that's you, just hold your hands up. Lord, you see the hands. We lean on you. We, we recognize, Lord, we are in the palm of your hand. We wouldn't want to be anywhere else. You've got us. Lord, I pray you'd strengthen each one here today. Show them the way through. Not out, but through, because that's what you want us to do. Refine us, Lord, as Peter said. And when we get to the other side, may we be better for it. We pray for the victory for each one that's got their hand up right now, Lord. We pray that we are and believe that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we look at this as a challenge. Now give us the strength to get through it. And we commit our lives into your hands and the very success of them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now you can give the Lord a hand. I don't understand everything God's doing, but I sense that there are some amazing things happening in our midst right now. Every week I'm seeing and hearing of, of miracles that are happening in your lives. So just know that God is with us. And just keep praying for us, for this church, for the leadership, for your friends and your families who are here. Prayer makes a difference. I look forward to seeing what God's got next week. In the meantime, may he keep you safe. May he shine brightly upon you. May he show his favor upon you everywhere you go. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.